Well, we've tried everything, but all that remains is to cut out America's most cancerous podcast, The Pod People. I'm Matisse Fenrossum, and it seems like I've come down with a bad case of maligma. <laughs> What's well, maligma? Maligma balls. It's- Boom! Ah! <laughs> I'm Ben Sheets, and the first rule of Fright Club is don't talk about Fright Club. <laughs> The second rule of Fright Club is uh, don't talk about Fright Club. <laughs> What's the third rule of Fright Club? Uh, ligma balls. <laughs> hey, I already did that. <laughs> James Wan, you don't have to put on a red light. Do jump scares for money. You don't care if backwards body do a fright. Hi, I'm Cleveland Mosher. I don't know who that was singing just now. This evening, we're talking about uh, a film that's hot off the presses. Uh, it's the the talk of the town. Uh, we're we're, ta- we're talking about the new uh, the new James Wan vehicle, uh, *Malignant*, written and directed. Well, story by James Wan, not screenplay by, but uh, directed by James Wan. And the film stars Annabelle Wallace, Maddie Hassan, and George Young. And, uh, well, James Wan's back. One more time with feeling. One more, once more with feeling. (laughs) He's done it. Listeners who, uh, who, uh, listened to the end of our last episode, we, we sort of speculated on this film a little bit. Um, at least between Ben and myself, there's a fair amount of trepidation going in. Uh, yeah. We talked about how... For a long time, this has been talked about as like, oh, James Wan's doing something different. He's trying his hand at Giallo. But the trailer just looked like another another ghost movie. The trailer was awful. The trailer was really was bad. You know, I was intrigued by the trailer. I don't think it. I don't think it displayed this film in any capacity. But Which, I was still intrigued by it. In hindsight, I'm glad it Same. showed less of the movie. Yes. I don't think it's a great marketing tactic because we'll, it looks we'll like out. it I looks like a generic so. sort of James Wan well, it looks evil like, spirit. It movie. looks like he's rehashing Insidious again yeah. based on the trailer because for years now James Wan has been a man with a singular vision and that vision is what if there was a ghost? What if? And pretty much all of the movies he's made for like the last 10 to 15 years have been centered around that premise. Yeah, what except if- when he's making movies about family. Except when he's <laughs> making movies about family, that's right, because he has uh, done a couple of forays into uh, Fast and the Furious, and uh, he did recently direct uh, Aquaman. Um, so I, I guess I guess it's, uh, it's not entirely all about ghosts, but uh, I, I was pretty uninterested in this movie based off the trailer. I was like, here we go again looks like another spooky ghost movie i will be the first to eat my words on this one uh i think the trailer did the film injustice but this movie uh actually turned out to be pretty good and it was not just an insidious rehash i am willing to admit my malignorance on this one (laughs) (laughs) yeah i will say this feels like the most original, well-made movie James Wan has done since Saw. I would agree. For me. I would agree. Um, yeah, easy. Um, we were talking about this in the car. I, I, d- I haven't seen any of the other Insidious films, but I, I saw the first one not too long after it came out, way back in the day. Um, I like it. 
you know, it's fine. I like it. Uh, I don't. I don't like so much of what came after it and out of it and the Conjuring's. It and didn't. All of those. It didn't need three more sequels. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, after listen, the first one. Yeah. Listen yeah. to our third Conjuring episode to hear me be miserable about all of it. But for whatever reason, there was something about this trailer that had me intrigued. I said it before. Really stupid, but I. I do. I really liked the font they were using. It was kind of carpentry, and uh, there was a certain like I don't know kind of edge to it that that had me interested and not for whatever reason concerned. So unlike you guys, like I was going into it with like pretty decent expectations. I was even a little excited for this one, um, which was a weird a lo- already was a weird feeling, right? Going into this movie, kind of excited in 2021 for a controversy esque film, right? Like that's not something I would really see myself doing. But the trailer had me interested, and even still, I was not fucking prepared for how dope this movie was. I was fucking rocked. I was pretty consistently like like overjoyed watching this film. Well, well it turns out Conjuring verse movie. This is not. Yes, thank God. And in many ways, it turns out, uh, and we'll we'll definitely talk plenty about this. But it also turns out that the villain in this movie is not a ghost, as the trailer seems to suggest. I mean, the first like quarter to half of the film also kind of suggests that pretty strongly. It suggests there's something supernatural so, going on for sure. But, I would uh, I would say for this one, like it might not hurt to just go ahead and say like I loved it. I would I would just do spoiler warnings from here on out and just like I would recommend it and I, I think not knowing what's going on is is probably a more entertaining look the experience. way I'll I'll put it is if you're a fan of schlocky movies or giallo movies yes. go see this yeah it's it's like, it's schlocky don't expect go like, in with no expectations and no knowledge mm-hmm. yeah but it's the best kind of schlock. Like yeah, really, it's it, the best. It is, and and uh, I I agree. We can go ahead and and drop spoiler warnings. Um, I think we should try to go for a while uh, without talking about like the 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 big twist at the end. Uh, I think we should work our way up to that. But yeah, this is a good one to go in uh, relatively blind. By the time this episode comes out, the movie's been out for a couple of weeks, so you may have already seen it already. We're we're on opening weekend right now as we're recording. I can imagine uh, this movie being spoiled for a lot of people on Twitter. Yeah, it, it was spoiled for me. It fucking it fucking came out yesterday. No, that, it came out fucking yesterday, and I was just innocently scrolling across my timeline, and somebody posted like major spoilers for like the big reveal in the third act of the movie complete with screenshots and everything because this is on hbo max so you can do that i'm a little bitter about that one i will Uh, say you know as more and more movies become day and date releases on streaming and theatrical i feel like this is just going to become more and more of a problem use the word fomo in our discussion yeah i think that really tracks yeah Yeah, it's going to be sort of a fomo thing where if you don't see it the Day the day of, it comes out, yeah. You're, you're... going to be at risk, mm-hmm. which is, it sucks. I've said it before, but I'm not even a proponent for like, oh, it's been out 30 years. It can be spoiled. It's like, oh, I mean, I'd prefer it if it wasn't. Like, that doesn't mean like everyone's had a chance to see every movie ever, you know? Like, don't yeah. spoil movies for people if you can avoid it. Like, it's just, it's just polite. Yeah, I mean, while I agree with that, I do think there's a grace period where you can, after a certain point, you can no longer assume that, like, you need to tiptoe around big things in movies that have been out for a long time. Sure. 
So, you know, it is what it is. I, I got this one spoiled for me before we saw it, and I'm a little bit bitter about that. But uh, the movie did still have lots of, of good surprises. So, yeah, spoilers going forward. Uh, check this one out blind if you're able to. But I, I think because y'all mentioned the the schlock, it's a, a good excuse to talk about just the tone of this movie and the tone of James Wan's films in general. Um, something that I largely dislike about a lot of James Wan's movies, uh, his horror films at least. I haven't seen his Fast and Furious <laughs> or, or Aquaman, so I can't speak to that. But stuff like Insidious and The Conjuring and Dead Silence is that a lot of these movies are pretty stupid but have such a high degree of self-seriousness about them that they're – I I find them really dreary. Um, See, I I think it, I think it works when it goes into a level of campiness where it transcends the self seriousness. Yes, like look at Saw for example. Yeah, totally. Saw takes itself very seriously, but the core conceit and all the traps are just so campy and over the top for sure. that it kind of elevates itself beyond that. Saw is largely saved by its creativity. Yes. Well. Um, yes. and, 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 and I think that's the case with individual style. I think that's the case with Malignant as well. Yes, yes. I agree. Um, because even though the trailer presents it as a generic, like, spooky ghost movie. <laughs> Dreary. Generic, generic it is not. I actually found Anything a lot other. of this movie extremely creative, mm-hmm. uh, extremely original. Even the bits, like, where they're teasing go. A lot of beginning. it very unexpected. But, yeah, also, like laugh out loud schlocky at times oh god yeah and i think it's a little more self-aware than a lot of james wan's movies are i mean i think of the constant needle drops of the weird cover of the pixies where is my mind what the fuck was that that was like she's wondering where it's thematic she's wondering where her mind is and they return to it like they use it thematically which was fun i uh yeah it's like a motif in this movie it's like it's like a weird like there are, the the whole score is obviously like very giallo influence like very synthy and so it's like this it, it's like an instrumental cover of the pixies where is my mind no lyrics but just like just just like synthy just like a synthy riff on the melody with somebody who sounds like they're like way down the street going I loved it. I, I, like I making making like the that that like ooh sound like like scary was was really enjoyable. Uh, there are moments of this film like during scares or like when the characters like on the way to another location where it's they're using like synthwave and it was great because yeah. I, I mean I love I love like schlocky like well and the gooey neon synth. Where is stuff. my mind? Needle drop that keeps coming up. It makes me think that like they watched Fight Club and they were like, I need the Fight Club song yeah. here. Well, because this like there, in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. There are some parallels between the two movies and it almost makes me wonder if James Wan watched Fight Club and he was like, oh, I gotta do that. What if I did Fight Club but scary? Dude, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, but I, I think he pulled it off. Right, like um, yeah. it's 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 scary, so. but it's schlocky. Like what is really odd to me is as goofy, as weird, as wild, as stylized as this film is, compared to say the last Conjuring film, which I know he didn't he didn't direct, but or the the Nun, which he also didn't direct, but a lot of the other movies that I've seen uh, in this franchise, like in this uh, in the Conjuring verse, I gotta know it's not, but it, it might as well you know it's, it kind of sets up to be. 
Um, His name is sure attached to all of them. Right, that's my point. Um, So many of these other films of the same style are a lot more poorly edited and shot. They're frenetic. I remember The Nun, like, feeling like it was cut like a trailer. Like, it's it's so, Mm. like, quick, and we're on to the next thing before we have time to take any of it in. And it's just jump scare, jump scare, jump scare. But I thought this... This movie actually did, like, tension and, like, held on sequences for, like, it gave them, like, the time they deserved and, and wait. It, it felt, like, well-paced. And uh, the scares, like, felt, like, gratifying and earned. Even if the payoff was goofy, like, it still felt, like, earned and, and, and set up, which is, is, frankly, a fresh breath of air in this genre compared to, again, like, your your other, like, your other conjurings and, and whatnot, which are just, like constant jump scares that don't feel earned or worth it like the that last conjuring movie had like no real creative monsters or anything in it it was just bad and and poorly edited whereas here yeah like it's all really nicely pieced together and and almost like it takes its time it does and i think one of the biggest things coming out of this movie that i pointed out is like it almost feels like a blank check movie, right? Like, James Wan has been very successful with mm. all of these horror franchises, Saw, Insidious, Conjuring, as well as non-horror franchises like DC Universe with Aquaman and Fast and Fast Furious, and Furious yeah. to the point where I think he can just get he has a lot of blanche with the, the studio yeah. to do what he wants. And finally, I think it's starting to pay off because we're getting weird, unique movies that I feel like aren't strictly dictated by studio parameters. Yeah, by marketing. How the fuck do you market this movie, right? Like that's the well, thing that's about the, the trailer. Thing. The trailer is like, is like, yeah, I think that the biggest disservice to this movie is that the trailer makes it look way more generic and boring than it is. But, but at the also, same like, time, is like, that how you sell it? How do you how right. do you sell what this movie really so I is? I don't, I don't know, know if they're I wrong for doing. That. I don't know how I would have done the trailer anyway. Yeah, uh, if if it had been given to me. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of the pacing, I agree with you guys. Uh, the movie clocks in at just under two hours. Um, but it doesn't feel too long. Uh, honestly, it, uh, you know, I mean, we're going to be making the Giallo comparisons a lot because that word was thrown around in the marketing of this film a lot. And, you know, like we asked at the end of last episode, like, is Malignant going to be a Giallo film or are they just using that word willy nilly? And I was skeptical, but. I think that the Giallo influence is actually pretty apparent here. Once again, unlike in the trailer, but especially in the pacing, where there's a kill scene just about every 10 minutes, you know? Yeah. With some some investigation and stuff in between, uh, like a good Argento film, it has a combination of, like, the police investigation as well as the protagonist's own investigation as they're sort of, like, wrapped up in this like spree of killings by a mysterious like trench coated black coated and black gloved killer with a very silly weapon with a sil- with a silly knife i love that uh, i which love is, the weapon which is all in fairness once again eating my words that is all very obviously giallo and you know what it felt like in, in a lot of places it felt like a high budget argento film and i was genuinely not expecting that and not only did it feel that way to me, it didn't feel forced either. Mm-mm. Like everything served a purpose, um, even if it's a dumb purpose. Like it was, it was picked with like intent. 
in mind. And again, silly fucking intent, which I'm on board for, frankly. It was all thought out. The coat has purpose. The weapon, like, is crucial and important to the character. We set up the film with the, like, the the psychiatrist person, and, like, the killer is clearly getting revenge on them, uh, the brain surgeons or analysts or whatever. And uh, so the killer takes their trophy of, like, excellence in surgery, and it has, like, a, it's like a spearhead with the, the, the snake circling around mm-hmm. it. This is excellent in surgery at the base. And they snap it off. They break the snakes off of it. So they show this cool, like, winged dagger that says excellence across the bottom. It rules. And we get so great of him, like, sharpening it on, like, a, like a, a spinning grindstone. You know, it was like, it's like, the, like, where did he get that? It, Especially with the reveal <laughs> later, like, where does that grindstone come from? But it's great. I have, it's a, couple, awesome. I have, I have a couple things on that. Uh, one, like, there's... There's credence to them getting the grindstone, like, from the sewer region. Okay, sure. Uh, you yeah. know, because, like, we saw a lot of old-timey stuff, wagons and other things in that area. You would There would be a grindstone. The underground streets um, of Seattle. So that actually yeah. does check for me. But them using the grindstone, it felt like a, a, a reference back to the demon and Insidious, like, sharpening his claws on the grindstone. And it, it's fun. It's a fun bit. I, I preferred it here, uh, even. Yeah. But, no, I love that sequence, too, because, like, the person is, like strung up to the um, the slanted roof of the attic. Mm. And, like, the camera, like, pulls back in a fun way. It's kind of disorienting. You don't know, like, if they're, they're lying down or against a wall, and then they're kind of both. It pulls back a little bit, and the killer, like, we've already seen them, like, get the weapon together. And uh, the person is, like, muffled and says something, and the, the dagger, like, when it hits next to their head, like, it's got a lot. There's, like, so much weight to it. Like, it goes, like, deep into the wood next to them. Like, like clearly this killer has superhuman strength. Yes. Like it's really fun. I really adored it. Let's uh, let's talk about the opening sequence. I I think there's nothing that set the tone for this film better than when it hard opens to this very silly looking gothic hospital matte, matte painting. Gorgeous. Like, it's like it looks it's like so a, dumb. Uh, I love it. It so looks nice like color. fucking Arkham Asylum. I was yeah. gonna say yes, it's, it does. It's it's <laughs> Arkham Asylum meets uh, Notre Dame because it has like the the, the, the two the two towers with like the circular window in between yeah it's like notre dame cathedral meets arkham asylum it's up on top of a cliff uh (laughs) you know and yeah it's it's immediately like tone setting and then Mm -hmm. we get this this scene of like the the, these doctors talking about like oh gabriel is getting more dangerous and and more more malicious and and we've tried we've tried uh electroshock to subdue him and it doesn't work and he's he's now all now he's he's drinking electricity it's like what the fuck yeah yeah right off off the bat like one of the first lines in the movie is he's drinking electricity and i'm just like fuck yeah i'm strapping in like i was i was right off the bat in this film like like as soon as they were saying lines like that and we got that giant matte painting like I was excited that actually reminds me of another thing like when they're giving that exposition it's over a video a cassette or a a VHS recording and that's another example of them like paying homage to the genre but like with intent this movie doesn't have like a dumb film grain over all of it it doesn't reference that style like just for the sake of the reference there but there are a lot of circumstances of like old VHS recordings that are like integral to the plot um, and so they use those opportunities to really, like, show off, like, those textures and those things. And they do a yeah. great job of it. It always looks, like, really gooey and, like, like uh, you get that, like, really sweet chromatic aberration. Like, I, I really like the recordings. Um, yeah, they look, they look great. <laughs> the opening yeah. sequence also sets up that this Gabriel figure, whoever it is, we don't see, of course, um, not only drinks electricity, but 
can also speak th- or like transmit his thoughts through radios and awesome. stuff like Which that. Which they explicitly say. Yes, they they do say they say that almost exactly like he's he's transmitting his thoughts over the radio. <laughs> um, so there's actually a character in X-Men who is a lot like this in the comics. Um, I think actually they did a series about it, but they changed it pretty dramatically. Um, it's supposed to be like Charles Xavier's son. He's like Charles's big mistake. His, his, his name is Legion. He basically transcended like his humanity, and he just like hops into different people's bodies, burns them out, and then hops into the next one. Yes, they did the they did the FX series by um, uh, yeah. what's his face who did Fargo. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't. I can't really say if it's any good. Or I not. watched like the first three episodes. It was bad. Yeah, yeah it like was like it was. Good. It was always cool. Like in the comics, is like he he'd break out and like the X Men have to deal with it before like he killed too many people. I was getting a lot of flashbacks to that because there's a lot of him like breaking out of asylums. Very comic booky. The prologue uh, ends with. Uh, we see them strapping down Gabriel. We don't see Gabriel still, but we see them strapping him him down and we get a dramatic punch in on the main doctor who says it's time to cut out the cancer i love how they shoot that scene because it's through like a clear it's like a tarp tarp and you can kind of see glimpses of like a funky looking monster yeah you can't really tell what it's supposed to be but you get a hint. You can tell it's something. Yeah. yeah. It looks alien. It does, yeah. yeah. It doesn't so they, they set that up right off the bat, which is which is interesting. And then I, I thought the opening credit sequence was very cool. Um reminded me a lot of uh I mean it's the same kind of style that's been done to death, but like the the seven credits where yeah. it's like uh you know, looking through like files and stuff and like super up close footage of like surgical procedures like removing tumors and shit like that you know, a lot of done. anatomy diagrams and yeah. stuff like yeah. that it's been done but the, when it's done well it's still effective it, it had like yeah all that like gloss on it and the music was like really fucking bumping the theme for this movie like is a really nice like mixture of the saw theme and like a carpenter theme yeah it has like like the saw kind of like like kind of drive to it but there's like the the carpentry like old school or like goblin-esque like bass mm. lines too like the score is great like and it's so like driving and uh that's what i'm that's what i'm in for you know like in a lot of these horror movies it, it's excited you know like and it, it's trying to you know get you hyped for the movie and like saw so the old saw movies were great about that too well yeah it's it, you know the, it knows you're here to have fun and not movie, just be scared this movie establishes an energy at the beginning that i think is largely absent from a lot of james wan's other horror movies which was a really refreshing way to start the movie and to set the tone for the film like that we're gonna be getting some some more like high energy schlocky horror and we don't have to go through because you know i i think the the opening sets up pretty well that like the the villain is not a ghost and so that means that we get to avoid the super tired first act of every haunting movie where some cabinets open and some stuff moves and somebody maybe sees like a spooky silhouette standing at the foot of their bed well the funniest, before like things actually like ramp up the funniest part is we totally get that in the first scare sequence of the film the Kinda, the yeah. you know the husband the abusive husband is going downstairs and suddenly 
the refrigerator opens. Yeah, they, they do they do the whole like first act of a normal haunting movie in the span of like two minutes. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Yeah, and yeah. then they for the most part yeah. toss it aside. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty compressed. Yeah. Well after after the prologue, which takes place in nineteen ninety three, we jump forward to present day or introduce to our protagonist Madison. Correct. Madison. Madison. Okay. Slash yeah. Emily. We'll talk yes. about that later. Uh, Madison. So she she comes home from work. She we, we she's visibly pregnant, and she gets in kind of an argument with her uh, shitty abusive husband, who says straight up at one point like maybe you should stop getting pregnant so much, which is like because she's talking about how she feels bad. Yeah. It's like wait a second. She essentially well, he, he, he says essentially- that to her because he got mad because she turned off his wrestling. Yeah. His MMA, yeah. His MMA, Uh, He was essentially saying, uh, you keep killing my kids, it's breaking my heart. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing, that's that's the reveal of that line, is that she's had multiple miscarriages, like, in the last couple of years. And he's obviously bitter about it, and they argue, and he pretty forcibly shoves her back into the wall, like bangs her head on the wall. Like it dents, it dents oh, the, he, the plaster. He punches her too. He punches her and then shoves her against the wall. Like what's the term? Uh, Luigi says, "Yetus that fetus." You know, I think it was. <laughs> pretty rough it was uh yeah this movie starts with like punching a pregnant woman like it's pretty heavy literally no punches pulled uh so yeah i mean we see we see that like her head dents the wall and she's she's bleeding from from the back of her head you know she locks him out of the bedroom and you know he he has to go sleep on the couch um, and then we get, like, you mentioned, Ben, the sort of, like, generic haunting stuff crammed in to, like, two minutes where, like, the blender turns itself on, then the the fridge door opens. Uh, and the he, TV. The TV turns on, and he sees uh, somebody sitting on the couch, uh, and... Um, when he turns the light on, the the figure is no longer there. But uh, we do see like the imprint of somebody still sitting there, and like the cushion rises. And I'm gonna have to circle around to that once we get to the end because all of a sudden, you're seeing a plot hole. All of a sudden, yeah, that yeah. doesn't make That's, any sense. This, is, this that was my next. <laughs> all point. of a sudden, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, dog. Well, so here's we'll the get, thing. We'll get back to that. Yeah, because because that's the thing is like we, we you, you keep saying like there's no ghost, but I think it needs to be very clear that this this is a par- it is a paranormal entity. Yes, 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 yes. Like yes, ghost absolutely. or not, it's very obviously like a physical entity. Like it's not a spirit. Because, like, we do see that it has, like, a lair and a hideout, and it, like, kidnaps the woman and is, like, putting yeah. on clothes and, like, sharpening its knife. But maybe it has, like, so some spectral capabilities it's, it's a, it's or something. A, it's a corporeal entity, but it is very obviously supernaturally imbued. Yeah. Because we yeah. see it, like— So that's my thing, yeah. is, like— Okay, so yeah, that that brings up the next point is that they're yeah the, the later on it's you know like revealed that, that that might be kind of difficult for them to teleport because there are some shots or too turn where invisible. like the lights flicker and like in between the flickering like it's there and back again. It's a great looking effect. It's really cool too. I think there are two ways we can spin it, but we can we can circle back to that. The couch cushion like coming up was like an interesting thing to make CG. Like, it was a CG couch cushion, like, the way it's, like, rising. Or at least it looked to me. It could have just been the lighting. It was very springy. It was very, very, uh, 
intentional and uh, uh, direct the way like it, it, it springs back up. Well, yeah, I mean, cushion. it's supposed to be like an invisible figure getting up off the couch. And like that is kind of tricky to do without, you know, some some computer enhancement. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, well, you could but, do like inflate yeah. it from like the inside. You know, there, there are some fun tactics. But no, I do. I do really like it. Like uh, actually the the opening shot of that scene like is behind the couch. Um, the lighting is really nice. The way it like catches the couch. And, like, the weird patterns on it is really cool. Is like, the camera, like, tips upwards and over, and we see him sleeping on it. It's just really nice cinematography. It's, uh, you know, it's like... a well-shot film. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he really loves those, like, crazy, like, maneuvering crane shots. Um, and they, they bring, like, so much extra, like, spice, you know, and, and flavor and style. And when, like, it's well-paced out, it's it's rewarding and I, I i enjoy it well like, there's yeah there's some pretty there's some pretty impressive like camera stuff like a little bit later when she like thinks there's somebody in the house and she's like running around like locking all the doors and stuff and it's all done from above and it was very obviously like on a set and they just took the ceiling off and like had the camera on a crane it's like following her and it like even goes like upstairs so it's like multi-level it, it's it's pretty it's pretty uh it's pretty well done it is it, um, it reminded me there's a few scenes they do in the uh, the original uh, collector yeah when he's like of, when he's like yep. breaking into the mm-hmm. house and he's like going to the safe there are a few shots where like especially the first shot we see of the collector in that film where like he's at the safe he hears noises behind him and he goes into the closet and it's top down and you see the collector walk up to the closet and mm-hmm. stand there for a moment top down and it, it, it reminded me of that like those like crazy maneuvers i think that's Jalen Bowsman did the collector though right produced produced I think. okay um did direct didn't direct Here's Dunstan. Um, Okay. Anyway, uh, that scene ends with uh, the husband getting his neck brutally snapped, uh, and Madison comes down because she she sees this in a dream. Finds he's mangled. Finds him like pretty brutally mangled, and then gets chased by this shadowy long-haired figure up to the up to her bedroom and it breaks down the door she's hiding behind and knocks her unconscious and we cut to her in the hospital after the the police show up and we find out that she has once again miscarried because of uh because of the the violence inflicted on her so she's lost her baby yet again um and she's not too happy about that and then the next big chunk of the movie is is i mean we can get into some specifics here and there but basically the 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 conceit is she keeps having these visions where she sees this creepy shadowy killer in black like murdering people before you know she she sees it happening in real time it's portrayed almost like she's a medium yeah, yeah, and uh, I I love I love the sequence where she's uh, in doing the washing machine, and the doctor like she sees him like scream on the other side of like the washing machine door, yeah. mm-hmm. and we see her framed in that, and it's really cool like the way her face is distorted just like behind the glass. Mm-hmm. It's just a cool like analog like way to you know do something kind of fun. Like it's it's a it's a direction tactic that like I I, I would I would like I like uh, you know it's it's Hitchcock esque I, I feel dumb saying that I like, but, like those it is. tricks like, it's, it's really well done yeah I like those tricks better than the CG of like the room dissolving and like reshaping oh, I actually like that I, I, like I, I thought it was yeah. very Silent Hill you yeah, know I thought it looked very dope. Uh, I, here's the thing I thought in this I, movie I didn't think the CG was that great oh no, that. no 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 here's the thing I don't think it was 
great. I wasn't like chilled to the bone, but I thought it was cool and fun. In a movie like this, when when you have like Arkham Asylum, like at the beginning of your movie and like he's 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 drinking the electricity lines like he's drinking the electricity and wild shit like that. Like, suspension of disbelief is like way, way the fuck over it's here. Not, it's not about you know? suspension of disbelief. So, it's just how you it's just how you choose to present certain things. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I think I would have preferred the transition between spaces to be more gradual, like it kind of is. Like you mentioned with the with the washing machine, or later when she's like uh when the other doctor gets killed where she's like lying in bed asleep and like the red light comes on that we've seen like out outside his window and she opens her eyes and she, and he's like next to her i like them sort of like piecemeal adding things from one set to another until it just becomes the second set and i think i would have liked that effect overall better than doing a couple of them and then just having this like it is very silent hill but like it's it's a big CG, like the room, like dissolving and reshaping into the new room. That's I, fair. I wasn't. I, I think it was fine. I think it was fine. Yeah, I think I, it was fine. I didn't. I, but I didn't love it. It was one of the things in the trailer that like had me intrigued too. I, uh, I honestly, it was one of the things in the trailer that made me worried because they lean really heavily on that stuff in the trailer, and I was like, mm, that doesn't look good. Yeah, it looks like a cartoon, and you know, in in the same capacity that like the the goofy spiders, you know, in the last film we watched, it, it you know, fits, our cartoon. It fits the tone of the actual film better than it fits the tone of the trailer. I will agree with you there. I liked it more in the context of the actual film than I did in the context of the trailer. That's right. Because you're right. It is cartoony, and the trailer does not present this film as a schlocky cartoon like the actual film kind of is. <laughs> yeah, for me it worked because like, I, I like both of those things. And I, I, like, I felt like that it set up that and then the, the crazy wild CG part is the payoff. For me, it, it translated. Yeah, and so then, yeah, she she watches the killer murder them as she's kind of trapped in a a sleep paralysis sort of state. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's dope. It's fucking dope. The the and- murders are like so gruesome too. Like the first kill, I think, is the. Uh, uh, the scientist, like the 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 lady the, who the like main, introduces the main the main one, yeah. yeah, and like we don't see it directly. Like he's behind the kitchen counter, and there's just blood flying up everywhere. It is such a gratuitous amount of blood. Yeah. Like it's just just pulverizing. Like like just like awesome. Like and and that that uh that remains consistent. Like the kills in this movie are just big blood explosions. This is a fucking celebration yeah. of gore. I loved it. Like as it, as a giallo film should be. Absolutely. Definitely. And you know, it's all like big splashes too. It looks like if it's CG it's really good. Uh like it it, it it's big splashes of blood. It looks like just giant fucking squibs. Very gratifying. Um the sister is introduced. Yes, the younger sister is introduced. Um, who is sort of now, like, looking after Maddie and is, uh, you know, Madison is, like, telling her about, like, these dreams she's having and then, like, the people dying in real life. <laughs> it's it's very uh, gravely introduced <laughs> that, that Madison is adopted because that becomes important. Like, after she has one of those first dreams, she's, like, she talking to her sister. She just drops that on her sister. Yeah, it's yeah. so funny. Like, normally it would be, like, the other way around where, like, Madison doesn't know that she's adopted. But in this case, like, her sister doesn't know that Madison is adopted because she's, like, 
after she tells about one one of those dreams and like why she didn't leave her abusive husband, you know, like once she got once she got pregnant, is like, well, I I've always wanted to have like a blood connection with somebody, and her's just like, what are you talking about? And it even does like a punch in yeah. as she's explaining. She's it's like, so Italian. She's like, Sydney. I'm adopted. So <laughs> where is my mind yeah. right after that? Yeah, it's like it's, it's done so it's done so dramatically. It's like, oh, okay, all right, I guess. Um, meanwhile, uh, you know, we were introduced to a couple of detective characters, uh, you know, that feel very much out like out of an Argento film. That's another another good uh, giallo point for this one is that you know, we get sort of equal time with, like, the cops investigating the murders as well. Uh, like we were hoping for in our Candyman review recently, yes. Madison does become, like, a suspect for these murders. Well, like, one of the detectives they thinks it's her, on. one of them doesn't. What, yeah, one of the detectives thinks kinda, it might be her, and then they never follow up on that. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, she's obviously connected to them, so, like, she's a suspect, so that's what keeps the detectives around. Um, and also because, you know, she comes to them being like, I'm having visions of these people getting murdered. She straight up leads them to the the body of one of the doctors who they haven't even found yet. Um, she's like, go check his apartment, and they do, and find him. Liked all of that. Liked that she was a suspect. Mm-hmm. Um should we talk a little bit about uh, about our killer Gabriel, the his his design? We'll talk about yeah the other, backwards other killer. part. We'll talk about other part later. But how? Let's talk about how he's presented for most of the movie. Um, very very giallo as as Ben mentioned. He's in like a black trench coat and he's got black gloves. It's a dope he's trench got, coat. He's too, just the covered cotton. in hair. His, yeah, his yeah. face is obscured by like long black hair. Uh, the he, cowl like comes up to like just the right level. Like it's it's such a badass. He he looks coat. he looks he looks like it's a edgy as fuck. He looks like a fucking like a fucking black metal. Uh, musician like all mm-hmm. he's missing is like the bullet belt and the corpse paint um and i mean hey this, this is this is a uh, set in seattle so i guess he could be like a he could be like a uada um session bassist or something <laughs> <laughs> um, does have maybe that he vibe. is we don't know what else he gets up to that's true yeah. that's true we don't know the film doesn't like linger on it too much because i think it can't but from what we see like gabriel has a very uh interesting sort of control over his body like basically his whole body seems to be double jointed that's sort of the way that it's presented because he's just like straight up like moving backwards sometimes but like sometimes his legs are backwards sometimes his arms are backwards um it's it's very confusing but also like disconcerting like it's creepy it's like it's 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 creepy and Mm -hmm. and i my favorite scene where they showcase that is where one of the detectives like catches him in the act and chases him down the fire escape from the top of the apartment and it's it's like fucking it's like matrix shit like yeah. gabriel is just like flipping and like parkouring his way like down this whole yeah, fire instead escape. Of taking the stairs he's just dropping from one floor to the next off of the edge but like twisting and contorting his body like the whole time and like the, the detective comes out on the on the uh, the balcony, he's just like, "Oh, f- well, fuck me!" And just like holsters his gun, just starts like running down the stairs. I love, I love too. Like he gets he gets far enough down, and he realizes like he's gonna have to do something drastic to catch up, and he's just like, "Ah, oh, fuck it!" And like he just like 
falls onto the dumpster dumpster and like gets up and he's like scrabbling i really love the messiness of that um and and the the cg is like kind of rough he's like werewolfing around it's very like the parkour you know like he's like leaping off of shit i Um, thought it was really charming like yeah no no no, i thought it was fun oh no not a complaint at all, don't get me wrong. Like, but it, it's 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 kind of you know it's it's extra blurry. You know, like they, yeah. they take those extra steps. Well, and also um, just but it's like super fun. Like, yeah, like a parkour like backwards killer. Like, what the fuck? Am, like, what the fuck am I watching? You know, what's going on in this film? It's great. Well, also, I appreciated it too because, like, once again. I went into this expecting, like, a ghost movie, so it's like, oh, the killer murders somebody and then disappears and is just gone. But this film is like, no, we're going to have, like, a ten-minute police chase scene where the killer has to run or uh, parkour away from the police. And I I thought that was great. And like, it, Well, it, James Wan, like, one of his early films, like, he, I forget what movie it is, but it has, like, a really long one in it that is like a police chase sequence where like the camera gets handed over it's like they're like a whole parking garage i can't remember what movie it is mm, I, I you know i'm talking about uh yeah well you sure that's james wine it, it might not be I'm, it's where it is though i don't know we'll see. i mean there's a police chase sequence in the first saw where that. ken lung yeah. gets shot in the head and uh, Danny Glover gets his throat slashed. The the chase ends like the killer leads leads him back to his hideout, and uh, it is like sort of the the old underground Seattle, like after the the fire that destroyed the city. Like they they built on top of it, like a story higher. So like the the original like streets of the city are still there. I guess that's true. I've never been to Seattle. I was going to say, pardon my ignorance, but is that a real thing? If so, like, that's super cool, and I'm surprised it hasn't been used in more movies. Yeah, I I don't know much about the Pacific Northwest. If we have any listeners in Seattle, like, let us know if that's true or not. If so, it's pretty fucking cool, and, like, that's where, like, the chase ends down there in, like, the, the old underground streets of Seattle, and I was just thinking, like, man, James Wan loves him a fucking like dark spooky locale filled with mist and like old things they're they're fighting amongst like these old like carriages like old model t cars and shit it just makes me think of like the the spooky dimension and insidious where like the spirits are trapped or whatever where it's like dark and misty but also everyone's dressed like they're from the victorian era it's like james wad <laughs> james wad loves spooky old things absolutely goofy shit so after after that uh emily actually gets a a phone call from spooky gabriel who you know calls her by by a different name he calls her emily and is like you know who i am you've always known she's like no i don't know and it's like you okay, do ah. you do ah, i'm spooky I he talk the even phone. does the evil cackle he does honestly <laughs> and it's great yeah yeah I, well i mean it's it's the uh, effect of the processing is really fun like it's it's edgy fun you know like it sounds like he's twirling his mustache while mm-hmm. he's saying the lines mm-hmm. which i kind of love well, yeah, once again it's it. like straight out of an argento film where like the the killer calls the protagonist to gloat or whatever you know um but then it's like oh you know there's something about her past like who you she was adopted but she doesn't remember anything from the time before she was adopted I think we can segue into 
the the big the big twist the big reveal um like this is all sort of yeah. set up in many scenes of exposition and investigation they they go to a hypnotist and like try to pull out some repressed memories uh, the sister goes back and breaks into the the asylum to find some records. We see some early videotapes yes. of uh, her adopted family. Yeah, some uh, home movies. Yeah, where she's she's talking to uh, a Gabriel, somebody who's not there. He talks to her over like a like a little like Barbie phone. Yeah, that toy lights, phone. A toy phone. Just really charming. Up. Um, um, I love how that almost fakes out the major reveal, though, because she kind of explains that situation to the police. One of the police officers is straight up just like, are we meant to believe that the killer is your, your imaginary, imaginary friend? friend? Yeah. And it has like a music sting and everything on yeah. it. <laughs> They keep having like hokey music stings that are really fun. Through uh, the the videotapes that the sister finds at the asylum, it is revealed. Dun da da da. The big reveal once again. Big spoiler from here on out. If you're still with us and haven't seen this film and you don't want to have this this reveal, stop now. Come back. It is revealed in an absolutely glorious way that Gabriel is not a ghost or her imaginary friend, but is in fact a, a parasitic twin that she was born with that she partially absorbed in utero and was is a, just a little monster with little T-Rex arms that was on her living on her back, like growing out of her back, very much like a like a Quato from uh, yeah. Total Recall. It reminded me very much of like Frank Henenlotter. It feels yes. very like it's a basket case, basket thing. case yep, basket type case. of. So this is actually situation. a class in D anD D. Like you can play as an alchemist with like a cancerous familiar, which is fucking wild to me. Well, and that's, that's why crazy. that's yeah. why of course the film is called Malignant because mm-hmm. Gabriel is he is a a cancerous a parasitic uh, a parasitic uh, twin that inexplicably has supernatural powers that is one thing that and we could we can get more into that uh, in a minute but I did think was funny is that they they try to pseudoscience explain Gabriel's existence. But they never explain why he can, quote-unquote, drink electricity and talk through, uh, so through radios and for TVs. The That's what I'm thinking, too. We'll, we'll get to that as well. <laughs> so here, here's my favorite part about that, too, is, like, when they decided that, like, he was too evil to be allowed to live. Because, like, that was the first bit, like, is he, he developed those abilities or whatever, like, and so they had to, like, they had to get rid of him. He was murdering yep. everybody. So they had to cut out the cancer. So th- they, the way they describe it is really funny. It's like they start out very serious, like explaining like, yeah, we had to like remove all the parts. And we're seeing like the arms getting taken off and like, you know, in, like in, in rich detail. Um, and then it's just like, yeah. And then and then basically we just kind of had to like snip off the rest and just jam it way down into the skull. And like, like they well, just like, kind of cram the, the rest of them like in the back of her head. And it's like, I don't think brains work like that. Well, that's that. I'm not that's, a neurosurgeon, but uh, I don't thing, think you can just like kind of cram them in there and like a normal sized head. But, that's mm. why that's why they couldn't remove gabriel completely is they because share the they share brain. the same brain so that's dumb. what they said and it. that's how he is able to make her see things <laughs> is and and i i i 
I did have it spoiled for me on Twitter, but I do love the way the film reveals the the parasitic twin. It's totally unexpected because yeah, Is it's it? like they they have like a. Uh, uh, I feel like it was pretty telegraphed. Like, well, come on, the T Rex arms. I, 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 well, no, I know the T Rex arms, but the fact well, that, I'm like, talking was, about that's like, what we're talking the about specifics of it. Oh, okay. Obviously, like the, the general, yeah. yeah, but like like, like I was, I was making like back, it's back of the head jokes the whole time, like, but like living in the back of her head. But come on, yeah, T Rex. Arms, yeah, arms, well, yeah. none of us were. No, no, and it's amazing. That. Well, because because the it's it's set up like it's a, it's one of the the videotapes from the asylum where like we see young Emily like head on and we hear the doctor off camera being like, uh, you know, oh, I I've sedated Gabriel, you know, that's probably why you're feeling sleepy too, and like asking questions and being like, okay, I'm gonna wake him up now. Are you ready? And she like tells the cameraman, she's like follow around behind me and she goes and like starts to inject something into Emily's back and then the camera pans around and just on her back and the back of her head there's this little puppet monster with an angry little face and these little flailing T-Rex arms that's just like complete like if you're not expecting it it's just completely out of the blue and i thought that reveal is fantastic it rules. it's so fucking funny it's so fucking funny but uh yeah so they said like oh we have to we they had to cut out gabriel but we can't remove him completely cuz it would kill emily so we just cut off all his all of his pieces and then just like jammed the the rest of him like into her brain cuz like <laughs> Because, like, we see that, like, what's left of him is, like, on the brain is, like, one eyeball and, like, some little teeth, like, sticking out of the back it, of the it brain. It looks like Nemesis a little bit. Yeah, it's like, oh, we just, you know, and, and clo- like, we just shoved the brain down in there and just, like, sealed up crammed her skull. Crammed him on in and, and crammed him, him on in and that was it. And so that's the reveal. It's like, it has, the, it has been her the whole time when, uh... Well, Gabriel using her body because when uh, her her abusive husband slammed her head against the wall, it woke Gabriel back up, and that's also the reason she's been miscarrying so many times because he was par- he was parasitically uh, feeding on the fetuses uh, so he could gain strength to to, to reemerge after all baby the eating power. That's, 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 that's the, the source of his power is baby eating. That's actually a joke in the office. Dwight talks about how he was a twin at birth, but he consumed the twin to gain its power. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that shit, like, does, that shit does happen. Like, sometimes in, in yeah. utero, like, a, a twin will consume the other one one and uh, the baby will be born with like vestigial body parts like from the the consumed twin wild um but as far as i know not that it's never been like an evil twin that can <laughs> that is psychic and yeah. whatnot. The psychic part and is what's what's so amazing to me. I, I well, uh, and it's like supernatural abilities because like we see when he takes over X Men shit. When when he takes over her body, he like dislocates her arms and turns them around the other way, and then like pulls open the back of her head so his little meaty like brain tooth eye face can peek out and like. 
like look and and see stuff and that's the funny shit too is like after that because he goes and he gets his coat and he puts on the coat but it's backwards so like her face just like part of her face is just like hanging out over the over the top of the i kind of like that look a little bit like i do too well i i I like it all because it's fucking weird yeah Yeah. it's so fucking strange (laughs) it's like so much weirder than almost any major horror film has gone in the past 10 years yeah, that I respect totally, it so much. It's totally much. fucking bonkers. Like, you, we were yeah. talking about the comparisons to, like, Frank Henenlotter's Basket Case. I mean, obviously in that movie, like, he keeps his surgically removed evil twin, like, in a basket that he carries around. But, like, the inspiration is there, and it's equally fucking weird, if not weirder. And the film really won me over in the third act, because, like, once that reveal is happen- has happened, like, and and Gabriel takes over, we get, like, a fucking Matrix fight scene in the police station. Just gory as hell. And just, like, just fucking bonkers. Like, it's it, it really gave me Matrix vibes because Gabriel's fucking black trench coat. But, like, doing this weird parkour and flipping all over the police station, just, like, ripping, like, the guts out of, like, 30 cops. Dude, he it, punches it, through someone. Yeah. Like, he Mortal <laughs> combat fatalities someone. Like, in, the, in like, the, the women's prison cell when he's just, like, murdering people. Like, yeah, like, just straight up, like, like fatalities them. It rules. It's um, incredible. It's so much fun. Like, uh, and it's just nonstop, like big budget. It's a gift. It, it, it's a, it's just a gift. I, I never thought I'd receive or asked for, uh, and it's a blessing. But I do, I do want to mention, like, because I, I, I said a second ago, like, I, I, I saw the twist of it being like part of her, like that the killer was like on the back of her head. I saw that coming because it was like, it made sense to me, her getting her head hit against the wall and the opening shot of the person saying like, it's time to cut out the cancer. Like, okay, cool. It's on the back of her head. Like she keeps getting pain on the back of her head. It's like Tyler Durden waking up after Fight Club. Yeah. Every time she wakes up from one of these bad dreams, she has like blood on her pillow. Yeah. It's it's, it's, like, well, I, I, I thought it was like pretty well telegraphed. So like I'm sitting here like every time they went like when they went to talk i was i was ready for them to reveal that when they went to talk to the mother and then they go then she has to go to the lab then she has to go watch the movies and they have to talk to that other person so it's like there are like several sequences we're getting more data throughout but like before the big reveal so i'm sitting here for like 30 45 minutes like waiting for them to make the reveal but what i'll say is this is a great example of what i've talked about in the past where you can see a twist coming and it can still be fucking awesome. Like I saw, like I was like, okay, yeah, like it's part of her. Like it's like, it maybe it like grew out of her subconscious or whatever, or they buried it, they put it away or something, but like it's her. But in that shape, like, like you said, Ben, like, like, holy shit. Uh, but it's but also so, too, like, it's so gratifying and it's so much fun. It's like, so absor- yeah. absurd that you can't help but cackle at it. Yeah. Like we were laughing hard in yeah the it was great i was having like I, at that point i was having such a fun time and it's just like so far removed from what i went into this film expecting and like it's hard for me to say how well th- that was telegraphed just because like again i had i had it fucking spoiled for me yeah 
um, literally the day the goddamn movie came out. To the um, Hague. Straight to the Hague for whoever Yeah, straight did that. to the fucking Hague. So, you know, I, I went into the film, like, knowing that the killer was a part of her, um, which is a, a bummer. Yeah, yeah, basically, the title is malignant, you know, like a cancer, and they say it's time to cut out the cancer at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the, the beginning of the film does sort of, like, play its hand in, in that regard. Which but is fine. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily tell you exactly what's going to happen. Um, and again, like the supernaturally looking stuff, like we're yeah. like, it looks like it's teleporting and we'll see that's, the rest of it. That, like, like yeah. it is played out like, and it is done as a misdirection, but here I've got two thoughts on that. Right. One, it's her perspective, right? Like it's like, even when she's not there, like we're still kind of seeing the world through her eyes or whatever, or through Gabriel's eyes. So like, there is something to be said for that. Also, if he's super strong, he can move super quickly. So maybe he's just got fucking ninjas. Well, like, we can we see but, that he, like, can crawl on the ceiling and stuff. Like, right. That, like fucking Spider-Man. That, it's you know, it's, it's it's one thing. But I do I do think that it does kind of present a plot hole for the, the husband's kill. Because, like, we see the husband, like, sees Gabriel sitting on the couch with the TV. And when he turns on the lights... There's nothing there, but we see the the indentation of somebody sitting on a couch and getting up, and that's uh, oh from... no 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 that's no no the, that was just like it's like an old couch like that's just a depressing like after someone has gotten up it's no. not invisible no, no 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 I'm telling it was... you it, 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 it's it's just that it's CG so like it's it's it, it like had like extra intent put on it. Which was kind of silly to me, but like, no, no I just can... thought it was like, because like, I, my, my grandmother's couch had cushions like that. Yes, I understand what you're saying, but that's not the way it's presented in the film, because he turns the light on, it pans around, and the couch is indented, and it stays there, because he's still sitting there. And then when the husband starts to walk around the couch, then it starts to rise, because Gabriel, yes, we can pull it up on HBO Max what's, after we record what's this. What's funniest to me about that sequence? is she's sitting with Madeline's face facing the TV and we're just assuming that he's flipping channels just blindly staring in the other direction. Yeah, that's true, because in order to sit, it would have to be Madison's face yeah. facing the television. Yeah. So it would be Gabriel's face facing backwards. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, but, like, yeah, that is, like, one of the, the world-breaking things is, like... it. it because at that time, it's still sort of presenting it like it might be a ghost or like a demon or something. But once it's revealed that it's just Madison being puppeted by her parasitic twin brother, then like the fact that she can become invisible is kind of like awesome. I'm I'm on board. Like that's the thing. But that, never that was my uses next it thing. again. Because like never I said, uses it again. I had two theories on that. One. It was just, like, it's a perspective thing. Because, again, like, it's in her head, it's from her perspective. But, like you said, that doesn't make sense to the husband. Two, my other thought, is those are the extent of his powers. The dude can fucking teleport and shit. Like, he and does have... invisible. Because, like, he, he can already, like, tuck and talk through radios and shit. Like, what? why... Yeah. why, why why not? Right? Like who who fucking care? Like why why how about how about he can just fucking like like teleport across the room or whatever? Dope. Give me more, please. Dope. Why not? Yeah. Fuck you it. know, I just had this connection placed in my head now. This movie kind of reminds me of Daniel Isn't Real in some ways. Oh yeah, you're right. Like yeah. I think of the scene in this film where Gabriel tries to force Madeline to cut the birthday cake. 
to get a slice, and then the get room dissolves, and we see that she's standing over her mother, about to cut into her pregnant stomach. Yeah, and it's like that is very Daniel isn't real, That's huh? True. Yeah, That's true. no, you're absolutely right. Great movie. I think I prefer this one. Well, uh, yeah, her her sister uh, ends up being the one to save her. Uh, because she's sort of able to pull Madison out of the uh, the the dream prison that Gabriel has her kept in, and she takes control of her body and realizes, hey, it was my body all along, so I can do to Gabriel what Gabriel was doing to me. And she locks him away in uh, well, she in, a, in a mind prison. There's a great fake out too, where like we're seeing from the perspective of Gabriel, and we think that she's failed. And Gabriel like oh yeah, blows he shoots, his, shoots blows the sister, his sister's yeah. head off, and then murders the mother. And um, I you were I called it, I was, and I was like, oh, it's a you know, like he's 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 trapped in a dream. And uh, and sure enough, like like we hear her voice. Yeah. You know, come in and it's like, no, I have the power now. And it reminded me of the end of the labyrinth with like Jessica Connolly to David Bowie being like, you have no power here. Like, yeah, it's, it's like super it's corny. Much, and I like, love it. it ends with her like even closing like uh, like a prison door on him. Yeah. And he's like, I love, it's like the, the walls are like really giant in the yeah. prison, too. It's like a big empty space. And he's it's, like, it's I'll, I'll always be here. You can't get rid of me no matter what. I will escape someday. And she's She's like, I know, but next time I'll be I'll ready. Be ready. <laughs> fucking awesome. And uh, like so fucking dumb. I Obviously setting up for the inevitable sequel. Yes, please. And uh, yeah, she closes the door and then like she's able to lift it off uh, with her, her newfound superpowers. Um, but you know, you know, I was saying uh, in our Nighthouse episode that in a different film, it would have been fun if like the protagonist had just like shot the death monster mm-hmm. at the end. Um, like a badass, but it wouldn't really fit the tone. I feel like this is a very similar thing here, but in this case, it very much so fit the tone, and it was exactly what I was looking for. Like, this yeah. cool just, like, reclaiming at the end where she shuts the monster away. It's still the same body that, like, murdered, like, a whole bunch of cops, so she's gonna have to be on the run for the rest of her life. But, like, you know, it's cool. She got superpowers for it, so, like, she could she could probably hold her own. She can get out there and, like, see the rest of the world. Like, it, yeah, that does it's still a victory. Being, that does end up being kind of underdressed. Is like, yeah, she it was her body that murdered all of these people, yeah. But that um, is what the sequel is all about. And I I, uh, I think, Ben, you have a game. Okay, well, yeah, before we rate, we might as well. Should we do this before let's, or after? Let's, let's, go, ahead, let's do, go ahead and rate, yeah, actually. Let's, let's have rate the cart first. before the horse. We're, we've wrapped up talking about Malignant. Boys, what would you rate Malignant? You know what? I think the only thing stopping me is I'm hot off of it, so like I I, I should be careful, but I'm not going to put this movie next to like Alien and like other golden pods. I'm not going to do that. That's silly. Um, well, don't worry. It's not going to be no, a golden pod. No, but like you like, can give it five if you want. I'm not I mean, going to. I'm tempted, but like even no, but for like I, I, not just just golden pods, but like golden's for me. You yeah. know, like like I I'm not. I don't feel it feels wrong to like put it next to Alien, but uh, it's a it's a four point five. It's a strong one. Like I had such a good time watching this, and I I want to watch it again. Like soon. Um, well, I'm, I'm telling all my friends on, to see on it. HBO, HBO Max. Max. Yeah. Watch it whenever you want. Uh, right. And I would recommend people to do that if mm. they don't feel like going to the theaters. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, yeah. Um, I 
really like this film as well. I think this is another example of a film that I thought was pretty good throughout two thirds of it, really coming together at the end and becoming great. I love how schlocky and campy and over the top it gets in the final act. And I think that alone makes it worth a watch. I'm going to give it a four out of five. I think this is James Wan's best movie since Saw. If not better than Saw. I think I like it more than the original Saw. Yeah, I will go out there and say that I think this is James Wan's best film that I've seen of his. Uh, I I also think it's, it's better than the original Saw. I liked it a lot more than I was expecting to. I went in expecting a rehash of Insidious, and I got something like legitimately fun and creative and not dour and boring and actually with a lot of very well handled homages and nods to Italian giallo um i i think i'm also going to give it a strong 4 out of 5 like ben um i i would i would definitely recommend this one which is not how I expected this review to go. I, I genuinely went into this movie expecting to dislike it. Um, so definitely a very pleasant surprise. But that will give Malignant an average of 4.2 out of 5 pods. Go check it out. Hell yeah. Okay, Anytime. so as we all know, James Wan is famous at this point for starting major new horror franchise. He's incapable of doing an original IP that does not spawn at least hey, two sequels. I mean, except for Dead Silence. And that was because that movie was so bad that no yeah. one wanted to touch it with the 10-foot pole. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Conjuring, Saw, Insidious, and maybe now Malignant. I'd say definitely. I want to play a little game with you guys. You wanna I want to hear... Your guys' pitch for an imagined malignant sequel. I want to go. I want to go. Okay, Cleve, you go first. All right, just go full superhero with it. Like, I want, I want, like, the next malignant movie to start with her, like, like sitting on the edge of a skyscraper, like, uh, like talking about how she is the knight. And then to leap backwards and off of puts, a skyscraper. Yeah, she puts a coat on backwards. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want. Like, full on, uh, she's having to, like, she's on the lam. She's, like, having to escape from the cops, but doesn't want to kill them. And we get, like, a Venom scenario where, like, Gabriel keeps trying to come out, but she can't do it. And then. And then we encounter, like, the villain of the film, which would be uh, some also a psychic tumor character. Um, and it's, like, what she could become, you know, in some capacity. Or maybe it's someone who just eats babies and doesn't need the, the tumor, you know, or whatever. And uh, she sees, like, something, you know, it's, like, something that could, it could almost be worse than Gabriel. And, like, she needs the teleporting ability or being invisible to, like, defeat them. So she has to go to Gabriel for help. And then we find out that Gabriel was orchestrating the whole thing somehow, and it's sort of a repeat of the first one. And then, uh, and then we get a fight scene, uh, lots of backwards fight scenes throughout. But I think, I think that the next one, in short, the pre-title sequence should be like her, the backwards killer hero, whatever the fuck she is, like taking in bank robbers, like like just do, go do full dark hyper gore superhero movie like so what you're saying I'm super on board. so what you're saying is that malignant 2 is gonna be the glass to malignant ones unbreakable um 
No, because <laughs> yes, no, because that sounds like what no, you're saying. no, no, no. It's not. It's not because because Glass is trying really, really hard to be like an anti-hero movie, and it's boring as shit. And nothing happens in Glass. Literally nothing. It's all at one location. They fight in a parking lot. They the fight end. in a parking lot. <laughs> nothing happens. The acting. Everyone is phoning it in. Uh, Bruce Willis bends a pipe. That's the extent of of Glass. I'm I'm talking about like the the fucking like police sequence like more of that more of this like wild hyper gore matrix-esque like craziness it's campy it's fun it's goofy the dialogue is hilarious like consistently hilarious in this film i want more of it she's using her abilities to hunt down other killers you know maybe like uh all oh i've got something uh maybe there are other people out there who have like who are born with like a conjoined twin and for whatever reason they all have psychic powers and they are all connected and she can see all she's like oh she's seeing other murders but it's 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 not gabriel who could it be and it's like they all have share this link really stupid but yeah like, there's a lot of like venom-esque like stuff you could do with it that could be very fun all right tease what's your idea so my pitch is both where i would take the franchise if i was put in charge of it and also what i kind of think malignant 2 is gonna be because i don't think i think it's unavoidable that malignant 2 is gonna happen and here's how i think what i think that film is gonna be about so it's mentioned more than once that as a child, Emily referred to Gabriel as the, the devil. devil. Right, the supernatural element. And it's no, also, I see. That's more likely. And it's also mentioned that her birth mother was impregnated by rape. She's a 15-year-old girl who was raped, got pregnant, had the conjoined twin baby and gave it up to the institute because she couldn't take care of it and also because she was afraid of it so what i think malignant 2 is going to be about is it's going to be revealed that the father of madison and gabriel was a demon who raped that young girl impregnated her with an evil baby and that demon is going to make a reappearance looking Which, for looking for his children. Oh, and he's going shit. to and Yeah, and they're gonna have to fight. Perfect. Love yep. it. And and he's Love going it. and the demon's going to show up and is going to free Gabriel from the mind prison that uh Madison has put him in. Um, but it's going to end with somehow Madison convincing Gabriel to team up to team up and they together are going to fight their evil demon father i love this because you can essentially have both those ideas yeah I, I think that's probably likely and you know what my pitch takes your idea and it goes one step further oh yeah okay. malignant too like father like son so <laughs> oh she has a baby so no no oh, no okay. wait uh so the devil is raping her you know, and causing Gabriel. But she's not the only one that was raped. Another woman oh. was raped, causing the same thing, except for this one. They were able to sever him and make him separate. But he ran off instead of dying. So you have oh. a little baby, little T-Rex <laughs> baby demon that meets up with the father somehow. Okay. And they team up to try to recapture Gabriel. 
So you had the little dude and oh, the like devil. A, um, oh, so it's sort of like a master blaster situation, <laughs> kind of. He's like right it on is truly following the in the footsteps of Basket Case. Okay, very much All so. Right. Right. You know, it's going full hen and lauder with it. But the two team up and try to recapture Gabriel, and okay. essentially Madeline and Gabriel have to uh, work together to keep their body. I think, yeah, I think the unifying theory between all three of our pitches is that in Malignant 2, Madison and Gabriel have to, to team, team up. Have to because team here's up. the thing, right? There's that, so much potential yeah, for, like... Gabriel has to become an anti-hero. Dude, there was so much cool potential for fight scene choreography. There was already a little bit of it in this one, where, like, Gabriel was, like, fighting from the front and the back. But, like, can you, you know, like, they do the shot... You know the shot, like, in, in action movies where, like, the two characters, like, bump up shoulder to shoulder and, like, they're surrounded by a circle? <laughs> it's like that, right? And they, they have to fight both sides of the circle. It's like that, but just just them. Just one person. Just one, one person, yeah. And With so two like, faces. So, like, the hands are, like, punching people in front and behind because they can see in yeah. both directions, you know? It's like you're, like, the eyes in the back of my head, like, kind of shit. Uh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, honestly, though, like, I goof about that, but, like, the fight scene choreography could actually be really cool. Because it could. The yeah. fight scene choreography The action stuff in this was movie camp, was awesome. But it was yeah. so good. I mean, Industrial Light and Magic worked on this film, which makes a lot of sense, like, considering, like, that matte painting and yeah. Yeah, so well, they else. were they were one of many. We don't know exactly the extent of in, of ILM's sure. uh, work on this film, but they were we they were in the credits. Yeah, and they, like they it, it has like it, it it definitely feels like a film that's touched by that, and in all the best ways. I don't know if it would be like as wild as that. I mean, it could be considering this movie, uh, Ben. But there is a lot of potential for like there to be other monsters that came out of this institution. I mean, for God's sakes, it's just like it's a giant, like, evil lab castle. I almost feel like maybe I heard this wrong. At the beginning, didn't they mention there were, like, three subjects? I don't think so. It said there were other subjects, I think. Possibly. I mean, there would be other subjects. I mean, there'd be probably a lot more than three. It's a big building. I mean, it's an Arkham Asylum. There'd be other people at the the asylum, at the institute, but I... I mean, maybe I missed something, but I didn't get mm-hmm. I didn't get the impression that it was like uh, that it was like a new mutant scenario where there was like a bunch of like psychic monster children at, at the asylum. Like I, I got the impression that Gabriel was a pretty special case. I feel like I know I know we're just about to get like another Batman reboot with Robert Pattinson. And I, I, I hate myself for saying this, and you're going to hate it too, but, like, I think that James Wan could do a really fucking awesome Batman <laughs> with, like, the Arkham Asylum stuff, like, let him slap an R rating on it and do the same kind of wild shit, like, with this aesthetic. I'm so on board. I don't know. I This movie was basically already a Batman film. It was wild and nutty. I, other thing I, I did want to touch on is we talked about the lighting. I really loved it. Like, the, the, the reds, the really luscious, like, reds and blues, uh, like, the cop cars, like, often, like, the lights were just, like, the bloom was just, like, filling, like, most of the, the screen. Um, lots of good fog, foggy sequences, like, running through, like, the weird, like, underground areas. Like, it just, it looked, this, this film was, eyes. like, a real, yeah. tr- like, a real treat to look at. Like, it's really gooey and shimmery, lovely stuff. We predicted this movie. We did. Um, oh my god! So I, probably, I probably predicted like a two for it. I probably did as well. Yeah. I think when we when we made predictions, though, we literally only knew the title and nothing else. Yes. Yeah. It it was only known as the new horror franchise from. That's right. James Wan. Um, okay, so okay, so Tease, you predicted it would have a sixty on Rotten Tomatoes. 
Cleve, you predicted 50, and I predicted 22. I've never hoped to be so wrong. It ended up having a 74 on Rotten Tomatoes. Tease, you get the point. Only because I predicted the highest. What's the critical critical versus the audience? So critics is 74, audience is 53. Really? Wow, audiences actually like this less than critics. That's kind of surprising. This is one of those movies that I would expect that to be reversed. Yeah, Um, it's so zany. Um, Yeah, yeah, so Tease, you predicted a collective score of (laughs) 1.7. Cleave, you predicted a collective score of 3. And I predicted a collective score of two and a half. All right, Cleve. So, Cleve, you get that hey, point. Hey, nice. I'm surprised I went as high as three, even. Right. I think I think two is pretty low. Oh, yeah, I just went with a three. Anyway, yeah. um, next week, uh, I think we decide we're doing my pick next week. Yes. Okay. Um, we had to shuffle some stuff around, so I'm a little confused. Fortunately, I did have a pick, and though it is technically my pick, I'm really doing this for you, Cleveland. <gasps> Uh, because we've mentioned it several times on the show recently. Um, so I'm just going to pull the trigger and we're going to do near dark next. Um, you get your Western supernatural. <gasps> oh, goody. Horror. Oh, thank you. Um, oh, it's Christmas. Coming is, early. Uh, I believe Catherine Bigelow's first film, I think yes. is near dark. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a dope movie. So we're going to, we're going to do that next week. Wow. Uh, wow. Sponsor time. Sponsor time. Sponsor time. It's time for the sponsor. The bell is ringing. It's time for the shelf. Here. <laughs> see what we have this week. This episode was brought to you by... I don't like that name. Gary Guntz? G-U-N-T? I don't like that name. Gary Guntz Galoshes for Goblins. <laughs> Do you have a goblin that's a little too quiet? Are you worried about that goblin making too much noise in your house as he's scrambling around in the middle of the night looking for snacks? And sometimes those snacks are your toes? Well, don't worry about that anymore, fam. We got we got Gary's galoshes for goblins. Those galoshes? Oh, man. Let me tell you something. I've tried these galoshes myself. You're not going to find better galoshes than these. They make those goblins nice and audible so that you can hear them tramping around your house, click clacking on the floor, Nice and loud. Say say goodbye to saying goodbye to your toes. No longer. Say hello to your toes instead. And most importantly, if you're worried about your goblin's feet getting wet, worry no longer. Gary Gunt's Goblin Galoshes. Dry feet for your goblin sweet. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That'll do it for us this week. If you like the show, the best way to support us, as always is to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and a short review about why you like the show. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Shout out, as always, to our honorary pod boy tier, which consists of Sam Simon and Sarah Morris. We love and appreciate you guys. And uh, if you want to get your shout out on the show, then patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod and at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod. Can you believe that? Because that's where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those episodes. I'm on Twitter at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally tweeting for Light Arc Studios as we put out progress on It Stares Back. Join our Discord for more fun story content. 
Um, and when I'm not doing that, I'm working for DreadXP, putting out cool games like Spookware most recently, uh, as well as MFN coming out soon. Uh, well, not not soon, but uh, uh, cool uh, trailers and other content is you know continuing to come out. Uh, go go follow John Samansky on Twitter. Uh, his his account is amazing. Lots of cool uh, uh, scary uh, puppet stuff. Um, and uh, when I'm not doing that, I'm asking important questions like, "What the dog doing?" And uh, <laughs> that's it for me. All right, thank you, dear listener, for listening. As always. Join us next week for our review of Near Dark. And until then, we'll always be that nagging little voice way down in the back of your mind. Where is my mind? Ooh.